Good morning. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Great to have you with us on this Thursday morning, and uh, what a show we have planned for you today here on uh, Kale and Company, presented by Northeast Delta Dental, with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me. Dot com And uh, first, we uh, welcome back to our WKXL studio, Brian Coombs from Rocking Horse Studio. Brian, good morning to you. Good morning, Ken. And uh, Brian has uh, brought along a, a great friend of his. And uh, Brian, why don't you uh, in- introduce our guest? All right. So today, I am thrilled to introduce you and your listeners to a really, really good friend of mine, somebody I've known for more years than I care to remember. It's uh, Mr. John Mullen. And John, uh, welcome to you. Great to have you with us in studio. Uh, thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me on. And uh, John was kind enough. Uh, Brian first brought his book, John's book, Silver Mittens, to uh, my attention. And I, I have the hardcover. Uh, I've got the hardcover, Brian. So I have I have one of each. No, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is my travel copy. Uh, okay. I, I got you. And uh, John was kind enough to send me uh, a copy uh, of the book, Silver Mittens. And it's not a Christmas book, folks, I mean, <laughs> despite what the, the title may lead you to believe. But, uh, John, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. In, in my opinion, uh, it's great to have you anywhere. You are a, certainly a, a survivor. There's no doubt about this. I mean, this book... And, and I wanted to use this term because, you know, it, but it's a bad pun. No, no, uh, you know, you didn't pull any punches in the book, John, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but so I said it anyway. But you held nothing back. I mean, this is as personal story, a personal story, I think, that, that, that you know, that, that's ever been written. It's amazing. You, you didn't leave anything out, I don't believe. Yeah, there's some horrible stuff I left out, but uh, uh, a great friend of mine, Brian Coombs, said uh, save that for the movie. He can put it in that. No, there, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could happen, right? Waiting That's, for Mark Wahlberg's that, call. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, John, you, uh, you have literally been through hell and back. Uh, I mean, really. I mean, what you went through as a youngster is, would be beyond belief to many of us. And to most of us, I think so. So, tell us about you know a little bit about uh, your your life as a youngster in Lowell, Massachusetts. Yeah, it started off pretty young at like eight. <laughs> the my dad and he, you know, a little too much on the bottle. Uh, and then his demons would come out and take it out on me, my brother, the mother. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> I mean, I was playing wiffle ball and I just heard screaming and loud noise and, you know, I came up the stairs and, you know, dad's on top of my mom, ready to hit her again. I see my brother, he's nine at the time, I'm eight. He dives at my dad and knocks him off the mother and, yeah, started off pretty, pretty young and, you know. <laughs> My brother, he he took a lot on really young, so yeah. So and you went through a lot a lot of pain uh, in yeah. in your younger days, and uh, what 
what what inspired you to to write write the book and and let you know everyone know of, of what you had uh, had been through i think uh it, hopefully it'll help a lot of people to you know actually you know speak up if you know that kind of abuse is going on back when that stuff was happening to me and my brother it was kind of like they would show up and you know the mother doesn't press charges the cops leave and nothing happens and then the views just stays in the home yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I've been writing it for over twenty years. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I would write. So when I wrote, the nightmares got more severe. So I would put it down for years and wouldn't even write, and then pick it up again a little bit, and then start writing again. Nightmares get severe. Put it down <laughs> again for another three, four, five years, and then uh, just came to a point. I was like, Nah. No matter how bad the nightmares get, I just need to finish it. You know get race story out there and and i've always too you know to hopefully it does well and open up a center for uh for kids that are going through that you know and uh, brian is here because you and brian go back uh many years to your days at that market basket in nashua correct that is correct that's where yeah. john and i met yeah over 30 years ago <laughs> over 30 years ago and have been uh friends Ever since, so tell us about your uh, first meeting with with John Brian. Um, yeah, so we were we were working Market Basket on Daniel Webster Highway in South Nashua, and um, I was an assistant head cashier, so I was up up front um, <clears throat> managing the cashiers and the the, the baggers and um, um, <clears throat> John was John. I, I don't know if John if. if if you came in after I had started, because I had moved from Hudson over to Nashua. I came uh, in after you started. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, John was always a reliable, you know, when, when you're when you're kind of in charge of the whole front end of the grocery store, you yeah. have to kind of, you pick the people who you know are going to get the job done right. without sure. supervision. And, um, you know, John very quickly became one of those people, um, you know, both up front and then people realized, oh, we can do a lot more than that. So he started working in other areas of the, the store. Um, but he, you know, he and I just became, you know, really good friends pretty quickly. Um, he used to come to see my old band, Tristan Park. And, um, you know, we just, we would ride around in the car and just, um, you know, just, just, just have fun together. Uh, it was a good group of people. We had, we had a lot yeah. of friends that, you know, that's, that's where I met my wife. So John was there um, right at the beginning of my relationship right with yeah. uh, when I met the the meat cutter's daughter. The, the meat yeah, cutter's the meat daughter, daughter, Michelle. Yes, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mimi, she's great people. Yeah, oh, she is always yeah. like good spirits, high spirits. So yeah, so John and I go way back, and he was a big supporter of um, my band Tristan Park, and then that led us to uh, John and I making a one of my first forays over to England to try to make it big in the music business in England and uh, John was a big part of that and um, I'm flattered that he included that chapter in, yeah. in, in oh. his book. Yeah, a absolutely. When, when did you, Brian, come to know about what John had, had gone through in his life up to the point <coughs> where you, you met him? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. All of those times that we were hanging out and having fun john was so positive and i i 
maybe I was too self-absorbed as a young 20-something-year-old guy, but John was just like the fun guy that we would hang with. So, um, you know, reading, I, I knew, I hinted it, you know, I, I, I got some glimpses, yeah. but I didn't know it until I read the book. Really, said, yeah, yeah. And said, wow, all the time I was hanging around with my buddy John Mullen, yeah. this is what was going on after we, you know, after we parted for the night. And that kind of, you know, that kind of breaks my heart. You know, I wish I could have been a better friend and, you know. Um, but here we are. I mean, John is a survivor. I'm so, you know, I've always been proud of him. I've always loved to hang with him. And now to having read the story and going back and looking at all those times, I might what a remarkable young guy. I mean, he was a young guy yeah. when we met, yeah. and um, yeah. he handled it with such grace. It's just, it's, it's amazing. How did you uh, remain as positive uh, as, as Brian says that, uh, that you were and still are? Um, I think just Brian and I had a lot of great friends that, you know, like, even if I was down once I seen him, we always had a good time. Just brought my spirits up, you know. It's only when you're home alone that the demons come calling. Yeah, yeah. I Ke- guess a yeah. good friend of ours, Keith Drew, didn't know until he read the book. He needed like maybe small fragments, but yeah. So these, you know, what what you had been through as a youngster, you you, you pretty much uh, kept it inside around uh, around most people. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They they didn't really have. Any idea, and, I, and I'm sure, like like Brian, uh, many of them were were shocked by yeah. what they read. Now, you know, again, I, I'm really fortunate that um, I have an early draft of this book that John had gifted to me uh-huh. years ago. Oh, oh wow! So yeah. I did get the story prior to publication. Yeah. Okay, so you... But many years after the fact. Right, right, exactly, exactly. The book is Silver Mittens. I mean, it sounds innocent enough, uh, but we'll, we'll tell you how the uh, the name of the book uh, yeah. came about. Uh, coming up right after these words, John Mullen is here, author of Silver Mittens, which is getting some uh, terrific reviews, by the way. And uh, Brian Coombs from Rocking Horse Studio in Pittsfield, longtime friend of John's. We'll take a break. Kale and Company continues right here on WKXLNHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. We are back, Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And if you're just joining us, have a couple of guests in the studio today. Uh, Brian Coombs, who's been on before a number of times from uh, Rocky North Studio in Pittsfield. And author, we can now call you author, John J. Mullen, author of Silver Mittens. And uh, why don't we get to uh, how the book was named. I mean, to, to many people, if they hear that title, they think maybe it might be some kind of a Christmas book, or but it's far from it. Uh, Silver Mittens, tell, tell us about the uh, the reason for that title. Yeah, so a lot of people know Golden Gloves. Yeah. That's when you're older, and you're old enough to fight in the tournament they still have at the Lowell Auditorium every year. So the Silver Mittens is when you're younger, 
It's a tournament just below the Golden Gloves that you fight for boxing. And this is boxing, right? Boxing, yeah. correct. And it's yeah. for what, what age group? Let's see, 85. So I was, <laughs> so you're you're right around like, you know, like 13, 14 years mm-hmm. old. You're, okay. you're young. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it goes like younger. I mean, so, you know, and then you got different, different levels, weight yeah. classes. Yeah, weight yeah. classes, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, my brother fought and. uh and he fought before that, but he's in the Silver Mittens tournament. He he not only won his weight class, but he won Outstanding Fighter. So that's why when you see the pictures, you see him holding yeah. two trophies. Yeah. When yeah. The, uh, the announcers are with the old school skinny microphones interviewing <laughs> right. him after the fight. <laughs> right, yeah. And you can see Ray turn his head. Because he didn't like one of the questions that the interview <laughs> given. Oh, in the, oh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, no. He just don't hit him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. We, what, what was the question? I didn't hear it. Uh, so like, okay. In the picture, you see me in the Celtics jacket, like out here, because yeah. I wanted to give the space. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> He never told me what it was, but I know he didn't like it, because I've I, I seen that look before, just before somebody gets popped. I'm oh, like, boy. oh, no. But he, he didn't pop the guy with, no, with, with no. the microphone. No, thank <laughs> God. I was like, oh, man. I don't, I know, the skinny I don't, microphone the wouldn't skinny have helped him. No, the skinny <laughs> microphone definitely went out. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, we're going to the police station. We're not going home for celebratory cake. <laughs> but he, he won it. He won the his his weight class, and uh, he was the, the best fighter in the in the tournament in the in the silver mittens event uh, in Lowell held, was held at the when they just called it the boys club now it's the boys and girls club uh, yeah right 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 exactly exactly so uh, so Ray uh, won that and uh, what what did, did did he go on uh, to to box more after that no nah, no nah, we had to pay rent <laughs> yeah yeah we had to work yeah we had to work yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so he. Uh, so the gym that he wanted out of was Acre Boxing, but originally, like, they all started at Romalo's West End Gym, which used to be on Appleton Street, where certain street walkers used to, you know, yeah. so <laughs> do their thing. <laughs> Ladies of the night do their thing. Yeah. So that's where he started training with um, Joey Romalo. And you have the hoodie. You're wearing the yeah, hoodie. This, yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is the Romalo's West End Gym. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Mr. Romalo, he's since passed away a few years ago, but he actually had a full-time job, and, you know, he ran the gym. Wow. Getting kids off the street. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I'm sure he did a lot of good uh, over the years in, in oh. that regard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was it was funny. I went back. My buddy Sean was a big boxing fan, and we would get the fights when they would come on. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll go down and, you know, introduce you to, um, you know, Mr. Romalo. So you get down there when talking to Mr. Romalo, and he's telling us the story. So I went to the doctor. I'm like, you okay, Mr. Romalo? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, I went to the, you know, I was holding the punch pads, and the kid slipped, and he hit my pacemaker. So one of the leads mm. fell off. And he's telling this to the doctor. And, you know, this, he, he's in his, his 80s. You yeah. know, he's telling this to the doctor. He's like, I think he might need to see a, see a psychiatrist. You know, you shouldn't really be at your age holding punch pads for a young kid. <laughs> <laughs> but once it's in your blood, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough to let uh, it go, right? Yeah. So the, uh-huh. when they were at Romalo's West End Gym, um, they went from there. Uh, they, they moved over the Acre Boxing with Ouchie McManus. So him, my brother, Mickey Ward, uh, Dickie Eklund, they all moved over to the Acre. That's where he won the Silver Mittens tournament. 
But then when Ouchie passed away, they went back to Ramalo's, which is you got to go over the little bridge, and uh, that's where you see it in the movie The Fighter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my brother, my brother trained with uh, Mickey Ward and helped him get ready for fights because he was fast. Yeah. Wow. That's where you get the name, like Eminem, but he'd run his mouth before he popped you. Yeah. So he'd be talking at you before you see that that heavy-handed right coming. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm sure Mickey Ward is, is a name that a lot of our uh, listeners uh, recognize and, uh, you know, from Lowell. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. so you, your brother and, and, and Mickey uh, trained together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mickey's good people. Yeah, yeah. I, I met him once at a, uh, at a Lowell Spinners game. Had him in. Uh, I was doing Lowell Spinners games at the time on uh, WCAP in Lowell, and uh, they brought him into the booth on Mickey Ward bobblehead night nice. at uh, LaLasher Park. And uh, great, he was talking about uh, boxing, baseball, anything, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And of course, uh, that was before uh, the fighter. Oh, uh, before yeah, before yeah, the, movie, yeah, the fighter, before the fighter yeah. came yeah. out. So, so what is what? Do you know what Mickey thought or thinks of the fighter? No, he's he was proud of it. I mean, he was more he was happy too that it was that was everything was done, is finished, won the belt, and yeah, yeah. You know. Just like anybody else likes stay quiet when they can have it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he liked it though. And no, that, no, he liked it. And that, and that's why uh, Brian mentioned uh, Mark Wahlberg, uh, because that's it. Uh, you know he was uh, he was you know the star of the show in the, in, in the fighter, and uh, and and this book is, is certainly one that I think would translate to the silver screen, as it were. Don't you, Brian? Absolutely. Yeah, this, it, yeah. it could be the kind of the fighter part two. Yeah. I mean, and you uh, you encountered uh, Mickey Ward uh, a number of years later. Uh, yeah, a few yeah. years ago, uh, yeah. he was having a benefit for opiate abuse, and uh, we caught up talking about um, my brother Eminem and just you know catching up, you know, shooting the bull, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was it was great to see him, and uh, you know, everything was you know he had accomplished what he wanted to, and he, you could definitely see he was happier, and you know. And and how about his brother, uh, Dicky? That's a, that's another story. Dicky's a mess. <laughs> Leave it at that. Kind, kind of uh, portrayed it that way in the movie, right? Uh, yeah, that's uh, accurate. Yeah, it, it was pretty accurate. You you've probably seen it any number of times, right? Yeah, I seen yeah. it in person. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean the the movie itself, it was an accurate portrayal. Very yeah. accurate. Yeah, yeah. 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 Dicky's that crazy. Well. Oh. Ran into him one St. Paddy's Day at uh, down at the Irish Pub in Lowell <laughs> when I was with Sully. I'm like, Sully, finish your beer. We got to get out of here. Dickie's here. Yeah. <laughs> so you Should made be. a quick exit. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and didn't uh, Christian Bale make the mistake of giving Dickie his phone number? He made the mistake of giving <laughs> Dickie his yeah. cell phone <laughs> number. He would not leave him alone. The, the, uh, you know, as, as a method actor, uh, I, method I, I could see how. Yeah, yeah, yeah it uh, makes sense, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I would have... Well, he's probably changed be, his number since. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. sure. Several times, probably. <laughs> when, yeah. you, when you see him at the film awards, Dickie's standing up, like waving, screaming at, at Christian Bale. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I actually felt bad for Christian Bale. <laughs> but but you know, it's it sounds like uh, John that uh, you know the the you, you obviously went through a lot as a youngster, and uh, you, you've been through a lot uh, even even since that time, but uh, you've always been surrounded by some uh, very good friends. Oh, yeah, some uh, some 
great friends, Ryan Coombs, uh, Brian Dutton, Keith Drew, you know, Wade Page, uh, some from the old neighborhood, you know, uh, since uh, since seventh and eighth grade, you know, Marcus Reyes, uh, Heath Gaffney, you know, Sean Sullivan, Sully's passed away since, you know, he had a brain tumor, but he was always full of life. I'm glad we reconnected years ago and had some fun together, you know, yeah. it was, yeah, you know, just... So, so all these people you, you just mentioned, they, they had to be of great help to you in, in your survival oh, process. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Even if some of us didn't realize it. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No, they, exactly. no, yeah. no, they didn't. Uh, uh, Mrs. D, Brian Dutton's mom, she, she took me in after I got out of the service. She's, she's really nice. Yeah. She's, you know, like, like the mother that everybody would want, you know. Right, right, like like a June Cleaver type mother. Yeah. Uh, no, no, she had an edge to it. She'd tell oh, you okay. if she didn't like what you were doing. Oh, okay, <laughs> but very nice. <laughs> well, our guest is John Mullen. Uh, John, the author of the book Silver Mittens. It's a a gritty book. It, it is, and uh, you got to be ready for it. And uh, it it uh, is very detailed. Uh, nothing held back in this book. Like, it, it will not be held back in the movie either, right? When, when That's that, it. When no, that no, comes no. to fruition. John Mullen is here. Brian Coombs, who uh, brought it to my attention a couple of months ago, uh, that his friend John had written this book, and I'm sure uh, glad that he did. And uh, John was kind enough to send me the hard copy version. And, uh, and I... Brought a lot of chocolates into the studio today too, which which is a which is a great thing. We'll take a break, and Kale and Company will continue after these words here on WKXLNHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We have guests in the studio today, John J. Mullen, author of Silver Mittens, and Brian Coombs from Rocking Horse Studio in Pittsfield. Great to have both of them uh, with us. And, you know, honestly, John, when Brian first told me about your book uh, two or three months ago, and he said you're a big Red Sox fan, I thought it was going to be a baseball book. That, 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 that's, that, that's what I thought. And it, it is to a, to a certain extent. There's some baseball in there. Yeah, there is some baseball in there. But, uh, you know, the, the Red Sox uh, became a, a big part of your life and somewhat of a, a salvation for you. An escape, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how did that all come about? Well, I was living in uh, Pawtuckerville, uh, section of Lowell, and uh, – a good friend of mine, David St. Amon, lived right across the street, and we'd always play, like, wiffle ball and, you know, football and basketball and <laughs> yeah, hockey. <laughs> anything. Anything. anything as, as New England kids do. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What hurt the most is you're playing football in that frozen weather, and then you hit the ground, and the football yeah. is yeah. like a rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the ground is like a rock. Yeah. yeah. Well, his dad, Mr. St. Amon, he took me to my first Red Sox game. And it's How just, old were you at the time? I was 13, first Red Sox game. It was it was incredible, you know? So, you you know, you're outside, and then all of a sudden you go inside, you see the, the big green monster, and, you know... 
like all the fans and you're in there for batting practice you know the people that you normally see on tv live and in person yeah you see there right there yeah yeah i I actually got uh bob lobel's autograph on you got uh, bob lobel's autograph my senior league baseball wow there you go (laughs) (laughs) that had to be a big thrill at the time right yeah yeah Yeah. did you bring that glove and get ken kale's autograph (laughs) now (laughs) i I wish i had that glove i've moved so many times in the past you just you know you learn to condense it into almost like a suitcase kind of like uh you know the story of uh, death of a salesman. You know, kind of right, right, <laughs> exactly. So you were thirteen, and you know, I, I, I'm I think considerably older than than you are, John. But <laughs> but uh, I, you know, when I was a kid watching the Red Sox on TV, it was all black and white. Oh, and yeah. and then you know when you finally wow, got to Fenway there. Park, <laughs> you know, I mean, after just oh, seeing it on see black and white TV, I think I was maybe. Uh, eight or nine when I yeah. first went to Fenway, my my uh, my father took me, and then you 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 know you walk up that ramp uh, and you see all the green. I mean, after just seeing it in black and white for you know yeah, uh, like, up, up until that point, you're like, wow, is this it's, the same it's unbelievable, <laughs> isn't it? It really. Yeah. And and this was before you know the the green monster. I mean, right. not before the green monster, uh, but the green monster seats. Seats. Yeah. Do you yeah. know they? Re- they didn't even call it the green monster at that time. I Do don't you know think. they retail at Fenway Park for Ted Williams, as a rookie coming up? A lot of jealousy about that. Yeah. There's a the story about the Ted Williams, the whole thing. Yeah. So they retailed the dimensions of Fenway Park to fit. Like Ted Williamson, <laughs> right? Aren't, hit. Right, right, right. The uh, the bullpens, right? Are called what? Williamsburg. Williamsburg, yes. Yeah. Williamsburg, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because until that time, right, uh, the bullpens were somewhere else. Where they, uh, but they made the bullpens so the 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 fences would be closer for the left-handed hitting yes. Ted Williams. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And uh, he took advantage of it. He sure did. But it's still a good shot to hit it out there, even with the bullpens. That's you it, know? yeah. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, a lot of people say, can you imagine if Ted Williams played his entire career at Yankee Stadium, what his uh, what his home run total would be? And think about, th- so this is kind of Ted Williams' contribution to the Red Sox eventually winning the World Series, right? Was it against the Tigers when yes. Ortiz hit yeah. that home run into right. the bullpen, yeah. just barely made it? it yeah, exactly. He has yeah. Ted Williams. To thank for that, he he, yeah. he does. And uh, I, who was the outfielder for Detroit that uh, went, went, went in over went over the bullpen wall? And you see the policeman uh, with his arms I know up. The policeman should have been helping him instead, yeah, right. instead of <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe he had to leave, uh, move out of Detroit, just like Bill Buckner had to move out of New England. <laughs> but uh, it was uh, that was a great moment. But yeah, they brought the you know obviously they I, I, I can't imagine where they must where have the, warmed up. In, in front of the dugout or uh, at Fenway, I can't imagine like, where they. There isn't a lot of room. Yeah, I there think isn't. it was on the side. They just had yeah, like mounds on the side. Yeah, you know, and that's what a lot of teams had at, yeah. at the time. Yeah, but uh, I, I can't imagine Fenway Park without those bullpens out in uh, you know right center field. Uh, you know, so yeah. If you go like so, if you're on the um, at the Pesky's Pole, you go upstairs. And you, uh, it's now the Sam Adams Bar. Right. If yeah. you go down those back stairs, a couple flights of stairs on the left, there's incredible memorabilia with Babe Ruth signed balls, yeah. all yeah. pictures from the back in the day, and the brownies. I don't know if you know who the brownies are. The brownies? Yeah. yeah no. They came uh, dressed up back in the day. In really? The early, early 1900s with wow. the brownie hats and suits. Wow. And they sat in the cheap seats. 
Wow. There's pictures like that. Yeah. Like the old school yeah. gloves that look like an oven mitt. Oh, oh, how yeah. They caught oh the ball. yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, no, there is. I, 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 I've seen it. I, I, I just didn't remember the, the brownies. Wow. I, and there's, you know, the, the song Tessie now. And uh, that, yeah. that came from way back when. Yeah. 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 But uh, that's so, what, that's, so why, that's the reference in the song. The brownie seats has all been sold. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, you know the Red Sox have meant a lot to you in your life since you were 13 years old, and I know still go to games, but uh, their off season yeah. has been pretty miserable. Lackluster by, by, by anybody's standards. <laughs> if you're going to rebuild, just say we're rebuilding. Don't don't lie and say you're going after the top t- pitching talent. I mean, just be honest. I'm fine with the rebuild. Just say you're rebuilding. Yeah, they're 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 exciting days to come. But I don't yes. think it's going to be this year. And full throttle was not the right message to no, send to the fan no. base. No, and that's uh, what was said uh, a few months ago uh, when they were, you know, talking about retooling this team a little bit. They do, I, I think, have. Well, I think the farm system was ranked maybe what thirteenth recently among farm systems in, in Major League Baseball, and they they have some some talent on the way up that they don't want to rush, which is. A good thing. Uh, and their number one uh, prospect right now is uh, an outfielder, uh, Roman Anthony. He's uh, passed uh, Marcelo Meyer. And, uh, and they also have a very interesting prospect that I know, John, you're very interested in. Uh, left-handed hitting catcher uh, by the name of Kyle Teal. Yes. He is, he, he's jumped in the numbers just in the past. Yeah, so he and, he and Anthony have both, yeah. both yeah. kind of jumped to the front. So they will be on display. They most likely, I'm looking at uh, SoxProspects.com and a great website, and they're projected to be at Portland. Uh, that'll year. that'll be the place to be this summer. Yeah, Portland that, and yeah, they, don't don't forget uh, Delta Dental Stadium in Manchester too. Yeah. When oh, Portland call. comes to town, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, they will be playing there a number of times as well. Uh, so they are. Roman Anthony, uh, Marcelo Meyer, and Kyle Teal, top three prospects, all at Portland this year. And uh, you know, you mentioned uh, going to Portland, Hadlock Field. That's a that's a great spot. Where's the uh, any pitching prospects? Uh, I think you'd have to look pretty far down the list here, Brian. Let's see. The top one, the 11th ranked prospect, is a right-handed pitcher by the name of Richard Fitz. F I T T S. Oh, they yeah, they got him in the off season. This this off season, they, right? They in the did. trade. Yeah, yeah. Richard Fitz, and then you have to go to that's number eleven. Ouch. And the next one is number twenty, uh, Jordani uh, Monegro. Monegro. Jordani uh, Monegro, who is. Uh, He's going to be in Greenville this year with the Greenville Drive. So yeah, he's, he's got a ways the, to go. Low minors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fitz is going to be in Worcester. Yeah. So so there you go. So the, the top pitching prospect is at number eleven on the list, and uh, so maybe Kyle Teal can uh, learn to pitch. I hope so because it's, we don't have anything in the in the hopper for pitching. Yeah, I mean, I th- we're going to have to you know maybe acquire somebody. Next year. So well, it's, you know, again, it's all well and good to wait for the prospects, right. but somebody's got to throw the ball. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm hoping that uh, you know Garrett Whitlock will have a, a, you know kind of a bounce back year as a him. starter or as a closer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. I, I like Garrett Whitlock. That was a so nice pickup yeah. from the Yankees, yeah. but I, I I don't know if he has, and maybe he needs to work on the arm strength. He could make him a starter, but right now I don't think he. Unless he did it in the offseason, I don't think he has it for a start. I think he's more valuable to them out of the bullpen. So do I. Really? Yeah. yeah. And that's the yeah. way they should keep him. Like, he's like, but uh, somebody's got to throw the ball in the first inning, that's, folks. That's true. <laughs> we don't have it right now. <laughs> Brian Bayo. Yeah. <laughs> Bayo and pray for rain. That, that, that's, that's pretty much the case. Brian Coombs is here from Rocking Horse Studio. John Mullen, author of Silver Mittens. And uh, we'll be back right after these words. Talk a little bit more about the book and uh, also about the Boston Red Sox and their prospects for 2024. We'll take a break. Kale and Company continues here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live here on WKSL, NHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental and uh, in studio today, author John Mullen, native of Lowell, Massachusetts, now has made the wise move and is living in the state of New Hampshire. And uh, Brian Coombs from uh, Rocking Horse Studio in Pittsfield, a longtime friend of uh, John Mullins. Uh, they go way back and uh, met at Market Basket uh, in Nashua years and uh, years ago. And uh, John, uh, tell people what you're up to now. Um, actually, uh, I'm working over at, at Lint Chocolate. I'm uh, a line lead in the uh, sanitation room. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you know, you brought some samples with you today. That was Cur- uh, courtesy of. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> very nice. That, that's great chocolate, lint chocolate. Uh, yeah, premium quality chocolate. You've seen our uh, first uh, commercial, the first quarter of the Super Bowl this year. There you go. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. That cost a lot of money. Nine million, I believe. Nine million. It came out of his bonus. Nine million. Yeah, <laughs> it sure did. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, so John, again, the book. Uh, you know, you go online and, and see some of the reviews. They've, they've all been excellent. What was the book? Uh, I know you wrote it over a period of twenty years. You said, and. Uh, it wasn't always an easy experience for you, I, I, I would imagine, to sit down and, and write these things and, and jog your memory. No, not at all. I still have nightmares every night, so when I wrote, nightmares get more severe. Yeah. So. Yeah, I had asked him a while ago if the writing process was cathartic. Yeah. And I was hope, hopeful they, that it they, was going to be cathartic. Right. But then John mentioned that, no, it just brought the nightmares back. That kind of makes me sad. Yeah, exactly. So, what was your writing writing process like? Would you write it down on a you know a yellow pad like I have in front of me, or would you sit at the typewriter or a computer? What would you? What was your your process? I like the feel of actually writing. Yeah, to me, yeah. it's uh, you feel more connected. Yeah. So if you go to my place, there's different notepads in the my bedroom, the living room. 
the game room, the other game rooms. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't sleep much. So when I fall asleep, the nightmares will wake me up, and I'll just write. So I'm, right now I'm writing, like, three different books. You're in the process of writing three more, huh? Yeah. Are, are they going to be based on your experiences, or are they more uh, Some of or? them. One of them yeah. uh, is, like, a travel book, and one of them is uh, horror. One of them is uh, romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Well, you've playing got a, around with it. You know, you've got a gift for it because I mean, you you don't hold anything back. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, no filters with no filters, friends, no filters say. with John Mullen. <laughs> but uh, would you? You know, we talked about uh, you know the fact that you know this this would make quite a movie. Uh, would would you like that or do you? Yeah. Yeah, I would like that. Yeah, I'd like to it's a good question though. Yeah. <laughs> coordinated uh, with my great friend here, Brian Coombs, and I think honestly. It, you know, get a movie deal going and then get done with that, and then I think possibly the nightmares would stop. I think. You think so? Or yeah, I, I was wondering well, how Hopeful, you, what your yeah. perspective would be on that, or or would you know would would they continue? Or but mm-hmm. but I I, I think it, this would be a, a beneficial movie for uh, a lot of people. Yeah, and and one that I think would attract a lot of attention a, yeah. as I, well. Uh, hopefully, well, it'd help a lot of people a lot of kids that you know actually speak up if the abuse is happening and uh i've always wanted to like open up a center for the kids yeah yeah put, you know put my brother's name up there yeah m&m center kids can come that are having trouble it's kind of like uh boys and girls club you know yeah. sure Little foosball tables and you know ping pong and basketball court because you know you, you hear about the the amount of uh, child abuse that there is fortunately uh, many of us never ex- experienced that, but but there are people, obviously, that do each and every day, and it it sort of goes, I, I think, under publicized, and uh, you know I don't know how much is done about it, or, or, or you know people that are experiencing it at the time don't like to talk about it. Uh, I mean, you you never mentioned it to Brian or or any of your friends, really. Uh-huh. So I think that's probably the, the same as is true today. I think when yeah. I was going through it, uh, the law thought differently you know, than they do about it today. That's so, a good point. Yeah. So when uh, uh, the first stepdad was beating on my brother Ray and punching him in the ribs, my mother just turned a blind eye to it and walked in the bedroom. My sister Kelly called the cops. They showed up. My mother wouldn't press charges, so the cops leave. That's the end of it. That's yeah, the end of that's it. it. Yeah. That wouldn't happen today. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, there's a lot of people out there. Obviously, are are in uh, you know uh, maybe not as dire straits as you were at the time, but well, uh, but, hope not. <laughs> but but need but need help. But and, they need uh, help. Yeah, to, of course. To, to get through it and to be able to talk with someone about it and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about opening up uh, a center for, yeah, uh, you know, people that are there. in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be very uh, worthwhile. But uh, I think the movie would be a compelling one, and certainly Brian could write the soundtrack. There that you go. Is, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Brian is a, a very talented musician, songwriter, no composer, and, and has his own uh, recording studio. So how did it happen? That uh, you two guys went to England. It was one of your first forays <laughs> to to London, right, Brian? Yeah, it was. It was my second. Second, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, one was, of your first. Yeah, it yeah. Was, I was, it was still very, very green. I think John proposed it. I you did, know, yeah. John. John proposed it. Said, "Hey, let's you know, let's go to England, 
and let's make something happen for Tristan Park. I mean, I think that was the, you know, the ultimate, that was the the stated goal. We were going to go yeah. there to make my band famous yeah. naively. And we, we did, we showed up and knocked on doors and, uh, that was a complete failure as now as an adult who's been in the industry, I can see that that was going to be a failure. That was the stated mission, but really yeah. it was, you know, two buddies have a good time, having right? a good time in another country until we ran out of money. But then it was still fun. As long as you had your plane fare back, right? That was the important that, thing, That's right? it. Yeah, it was, yeah. Getting to the airport was going to be difficult. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so you, we managed. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, you did. You're living proof that you both managed to get back. <laughs> and we and and we had no idea that the hotel that we were staying in was actually a squat run by Australians who didn't own the building that they were running a hotel out of, and with a bunch of squatters. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Down, down on uh, Earl's Court. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you been back at all, John? Since that time, I haven't been, no. but uh, I do plan on going back. This trip, you know, be a little different, obviously, and I'd love to coordinate with. Brian on one of the trips where let's he'd do be it. there with me. Yeah, let's do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he he's gone and gone further where he's gone on the Euro Rail and seen more of Europe. Yeah, that, that would be fantastic. Yeah. But but even exploring more of London, like we went to Stratford upon Avon as well. Yeah. And that's again where like we didn't have a lot of money, but we talked to the the priest and then he pulled us aside, told us the story about Shakespeare at the time, you know, People would die, and then they'd knock over the headstone and put, like, another, you know, person's grave there. <laughs> yeah. So Shakespeare put a curse on his grave. <laughs> so he's actually buried, like, in the Holy Trinity Church. He's not actually buried where people think. Wow. <laughs> and, and Brian, uh, he's, he's recorded now at Abbey Road Studios and uh, performed there. And, uh, and, and I understand from reliable sources that you're going back soon. On my way back very soon for some interesting and exciting um, meetings and a couple of recording sessions. Exactly. And, uh, I'll fill that, you in. That'll be interesting, yes. Legendary. Uh, we actually, yeah. uh, that crosswalk that you see on the Beatles album. Yeah, yeah. We were there. I wanted to get it, a picture of Brian walking across, it, it, but that's actually a really busy street and pretty dang, dangerous, dangerous to do. dangerous intersection. <laughs> so we just have Brian leaning up against the light post with, with, with the crosswalk. <laughs> <laughs> going to Abbey Road. So you guys didn't walk uh, barefoot across the street. <laughs> that would no. be even more dangerous. Yeah. Even more dangerous. <laughs> but a lot of great memories from that trip. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, how old were you guys when uh, when you did that? I guess twenty one. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah, yeah twenty two. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, at the time, pretty a pretty courageous thing to do. You know. Yeah, so, it, it was wonderfully naive. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you can call it that. Yeah. <laughs> but gutsy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Gutsy yeah. at the same time to to do that, but uh and, and like you can't beat the memories, right? You can't, no. you know. No. You couldn't couldn't put a price on the memories you guys no. have. From, and see, those will be the, the yeah. those will be the fun scenes in the movie. Yeah, yes. there you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there, there's some fun stuff. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a- absolutely. But it is a book well worth reading and and how can people get a hold of it, John? Yeah, you just um, you go on Amazon on the search bar. You just type in "Silver Mittens" by John J. Mullen, and it'll come up. And it's also online, available uh, Barnes and Noble online and books, etc. And and there are some uh, great reviews out there as well. Some five star reviews, uh, and uh, and and certainly richly deserved, John. Thanks for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Again, it's John J. Mullen, 
Silver Mittens, Brian Coombs, Rocky Door Studio, safe travels back to jolly old England. Thanks, Ken. You're, you're certainly used to the uh, the trip now, for sure. I sure am. You, you know your way around uh, around England, that is that is for sure. So best wishes on that trip. And Thank you, sir. When you get back, stop in again. Will do. All right. And he'll talk about a very intriguing project that he's uh, working on about a Lowell native, as That's a matter it. of fact. Lots of Lowell connections. Yes. <laughs> the, the second most famous person from Lowell, other than John Mullen. John Mullen. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Brian and John, thank you so much. Thanks, Ken. Hey, thanks and for thank, having me, Ken. And thank you for listening to this edition of uh, Kale & Company. We'll be back tomorrow with the Friday Fun Bunch right here, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And remember, folks, to always look on the bright side of life. Have a great Thursday, everyone.